Hello, welcome to the Celibate Vegan Voices Podcast. I'm Chandler Clare, because I'm here with my co-host and compadre, Monique Lukens. Yes, you're celibate vegan compadre. Aye, remember, we're always compadres before friends. Well, I think they're the same, just different languages. Yeah, yeah, I, I, like, I just like the sound of compadres. It just sounds so Italian or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, see, here's, so basically, um, it's been a long time since we've talked. And so what this may be is we may just start, sh- uh, we may just share our recent experiences and what's been going on and and see what comes of it. Uh, so, Monique, would you like to start or should I? Oh, I can, I can start, but I would feel that your dilemma is of great significance, so I really want to focus on it. So pretty much, listeners, our issues are the following. We are really having major emotional setbacks due to people's comments on our lifestyles, be it um, on dating sites, people saying, you know, you're, you're um, dysfunctional or you're not right, it's not God's will, or, you know, everyone should have children. Um, and that all leads to what happened to Chandler, which was just uh, horrific. Um, and I'll, I'll explain it, Chandler, because I don't want to get you into a, a, a funk, as they say. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, I saw this thread that Chandler shared with me, and the, the subject was about antinatalism, which was a really long word for me, even though I'm good with um, <laughs> prefixes and antonyms in English. But at first, I'm like antinatalism, but I understand now anti is against and natalism is birth. So basically, Chandler was, was uh, talking about um, not having children. And this person didn't uh, didn't share the same feelings, philosophy, and said, well, why don't you kill yourself then and do us all a favor? Now, having read the thread, I know that he was trying to prove a point, saying, well, like, you know, then the human race will be gone, so, like, what's the point? Just kill yourself. I get it, but the way he said it was just really wrong and just not, you know, compassionate whatsoever. And actually, technically, possibly illegal, because I know that there has been instances where people have been told to kill themselves, and then they really did. Usually it happens with children who are more, um, you know, they can't handle something like that as much also. Uh, children with mental illnesses, but not necessarily. There have been adults. One recent, he was 18, um, you know, which is still, I mean, you know, he's not that mature. Um, And he, yeah, he was on medication when it was told him by someone who was on medication. They both weren't doing that well. And he, he did that. You know, he was coached into killing himself. 
mainly because he said he didn't want to live anymore. And this former girlfriend said, then why don't you kill yourself? And she kept coaxing him and then he did it. Um, so, you know, I, I think these cases are a little bit different than what happened in the thread with Chandler. Nonetheless, it was very um, alarming to see it. And, um, and I took precautions due to it. Um, I, uh, I guess I'm putting myself out there, so I yeah. hope I don't get retaliation, but I did call the police because I felt that, um, it needed to be addressed and, um, they did not call me back, but I wanted it to be on record because I, you know, for somebody to say something like that, we, you know, I need you Chandler, people need you Chandler, and, um, I don't, you know, want this person to go around saying that if that's going to be his way of pushback on something that he doesn't believe, even, I mean, yeah, even if <laughs> it's for antinatalism purposes. So I would like you to, um, to go on with that Chandler and, yes. you know, obviously not having children is, it, it could be part of our celibate movement. I mean, you could be celibate and still have children. You could have, you could have adopted children, or I guess you could, um, be artificially inseminated. Although I don't know why people really want to do <laughs> yeah. that. There's a lot of children out there, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting because it's gotten so popular to adopt an animal as a pet instead of going through like a puppy mill. I mean, even the Obama family did it, but, um, it's still not as popular to be an adoptive parent more than likely because it's very expensive. I think you have to pay thousands of dollars to do the adoption. And then there's not many people that foster children because a lot of times people, after a certain age of a child, they're not as adoptable, if you would, as a baby would. But I think ultimately it's because people are programmed to think that we all have to have our own children. And a lot of times it's because of a man, actually, like they want their own DNA. I think women have been more willing to be adoptive, but, you know, not necessarily because I was reading this article and it's like, all the women tend to blush whenever someone's pregnant. And I mean, I myself, what can I do? I don't wish the person wrong, you know, bad. Like I want the child to be healthy and well. So I'm like, you know, I say blessings. I don't say yeah. congratulations yeah. because I don't think like it's to be necessarily congratulated because, you know, we're already overpopulated, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to say, you know, bad, bad person, you know, so I just say blessings because I want it to be a positive outcome. But, um, yeah, so not wanting to have children is part of the celibate movement. So Chandler, why don't you take it from there? Because I know you were very depressed and actually more de depressed than I thought, because I thought you weren't speaking to me because you didn't care about me or the show anymore because, you know, we didn't have a show in August. So I thought, oh, I guess he doesn't like care as much anymore. But yeah, I, well, let me, yeah, well, let me set the record straight on that, Monique. Yeah, because I didn't I, I I'm sad to hear that you thought that uh, really, um, 
But yeah, I've been having a hard time. And so basically, you already described what happened, and I think you described it very accurately. You know, but, but what I'm going to tell you and our listeners is how it affected me personally and why people should not say those kinds of things to people. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I already have a history of being suicidal. I have a history of self-harm and hurting myself, and I am particularly vulnerable to that kind of talk. And so it sent me into a pretty major depression. My mom was worried about me. My other online people that I know were worried about me. I talked to my therapist about it. I was I was crying. I was having I was having these. I had like a video rant in the park. I was thinking about it all the time, and I was really upset. And so yeah, part of the part of the reason that I hadn't done a show with you for a while is partly because I was not in the emotional frame of mind to do it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be ha the happy celibate vegan compadre. But this topic actually does relate to our whole celibate vegan show, and and let me go into why. First of all, yes, I have been discussing the anti-natalism topic for some time, and the reason for that is because I understand that as a vegan who does not want to contribute to the suffering of all the other animals, it's not wise to risk creating new carnists by procreating and then have them be consumers of meat, dairy, and eggs and then polluting the environment in other ways through driving gasoline cars and, and whatever – everything else. So I'm about – minimizing harm, reducing harm when possible, and instead, I've had, for years, I've advocated that at a, adopting children rather than producing more. And we've talked about this before, and so you know how I feel about this, Monique. But see, Daniel, I feel like he misunderstood me, and then he got mad at me, and so then he tells me that I'm doing everyone a favor if I were to kill myself. And I realized that he is a, a sad, confused man who was reacting emotionally. But what he said to me really hurt me bad, and that's why people should, should take this seriously. Telling someone to kill themselves is not a good thing to do, nor is telling that they're doing people a favor if they kill themselves. That is a very hostile thing. And yeah, if it's not already illegal, it should be. And it's just not—it's just not the kind of thing I wanted to hear. And I also have, for the time being, have suspended doing the philosophy, science, and religion podcast and those other podcasts I do. Um, and but I wanted to continue the celibate vegan uh, voices show with you, Monique. This is in line with what I'm talking about. We have talked about so many issues. We've talked about our, reason, our reasons for vegan. That should be a no-brainer. Every vegan out there knows that, that it's about not buying the animal products so that these animals are not bred and then treated horribly and killed. So that's a no-brainer. But the celibacy is what people have a hard time getting. And personally, I feel that it makes the most sense in light of the anti-natalist, and technically I'm not an anti-natalist because I'm not against people being born. I don't want them to just stay inside their mothers forever, but I'm against them being conceived in the first place. 
Because yeah, we have children who need to be adopted, and you and you can't control what those children will grow up and do. They're most likely just going to be another uh, carnist who ends up abusing animals through what they buy, and so that is why I've been forming this consistent ethical system, bringing uh, everything together. And so the celibacy is the ultimate way of not procreating, and other pe there are other methods too available, such as you know sterilization, which which is which I think is a good thing. But people they don't understand the multiple layers behind celibacy, and we're like the only people I know of in the world who actually have a show where we talk about this regularly. And I honestly, I I, I enjoy it. You know, I have a blast when we're discussing some of it because it's just so logical. It make, just makes so much sense. And and Monique, I know that you in your life have, have had a lot of criticism, and people have said some awful things to you because you celibate and you and you refuse to have sex with people just to have a relationship. So if you would like, I know you want to talk about that. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about what you would like to next. Okay. Well, I do want to address the, uh, the topic w once more, though, of someone stating to go kill yourself. Um, because it happened to me one time when I was working with the Bernie Sanders write-in movement. I'm unsure if people are aware, but after Bernie was uh, treated wrongly and possibly illegally and with the, uh, the evidence that came from um, prior to the primaries in the DNC, uh, I was calling people in Vermont, which is his home state, and this large group of people were calling to ask voters to write Bernie Sanders in. And we started with that, that state because we thought it would be most, you know, easiest for him to pick up that state. Cause this is really unprecedented for people to write in a person and for them to win. You know, it's usually just Republican or Democrat. That's just the way the machine churns. So I called, this person on this list that I had of voters and I went in with my quick, uh, you know, spiel, if you would, um, you know, Bernie Sanders, it's right in, he, I get, I get a hang up and I barely had said anything. So I thought, Oh, maybe the, uh, the phone hung up on me. So I called back and this time, like, nobody said anything, but, like, I, I, I didn't know, okay, did the call go through? So I thought, okay, I'll just try a third time, and that'll be it. So this time, it was picked up, and the person said, why are you calling me again? And I said, oh, I said, I, I, I didn't know. I thought that the, the phone had hung up. I I said, you know, I'm, I'm calling on behalf of um, the supporters for the Bernie Sanders right-in movement. And he screamed at me. He sounded like he was an elderly man. He said, why don't you go hang yourself? Oh, man. 
And it was really scary to me. And gosh, I think I responded. I don't really, I don't remember what happened. Like, I think I said something, you know, I said, I'm just trying to like help or whatnot. And, you know, he hung up. So what I did from there is I reached out to people who were in the movement because we were all talking to one one another via Facebook. You know, during the time of the election, there were a lot of groups like talking on how to help their their candidate. And this was the only way that we could converse. So um, effectively, that is. And so there were people they weren't they weren't available or um, there were a few people that didn't feel comfortable. I wanted to call the police. And remember this one person, and she's a very nice person, but I, I gave the phone number in this private message to, I don't know, maybe like seven people of you know, the person that had just said this to me. And I said, can someone call the police? This is what happened. This is the number that I called. And her first response, instead of being compassionate, was, Monique, you can't give out people's private numbers like that and you just have to learn to like accept this and yeah and I thought to myself she is totally missing the point because number one it's not like I'm posting his number for everybody to see it's in a private message and number two it's not something that is common for people to say as I said to you Chandler it may even be illegal you know, I don't I don't know how to look up the logistics of such, but I did do a little perusing around when that happened to you. And the case where the 18-year-old did kill himself, his ex-girlfriend, who's a minor, she was 17 when she did she did it. She she faces jail time now because of what she did. And um yeah. And when that happened to me, yes, it was devastating like it was to you because I thought he doesn't even know me. Are you still there? I can't hear you anymore. And some more about what happened um, to what's happening because, you know, they're busy with their lives and whatnot. Telling me to kill myself when I'm trying to do something good. I'm doing this on my own dime. I'm in debt. I'm staying up. I'm donating hours, you know? And so um, finally I found somebody who was one of the supporters, and she was hesitant to help me. But then she said, okay, you know, people, they don't like to get involved, Chandler. They don't. Even when I, I wanted to call somebody on your behalf, and the person was a little bit, it seemed a little bit like the person was leery of, um, you know, calling. Um, because I said that it was a death threat to you. And why was it a death threat? Because he's telling you to go kill yourself. So technically it is a death threat. And that's how you have to perceive it when you want to talk to law enforcement. Because otherwise, they could be, it depends on who you're talking to. I've talked to police, and they're not very helpful when, you know, you're 
you feel like you're in a crisis, but they feel like um, the other party really hasn't done anything. And so that's why I have to say it is a death threat. If you pose it like that, then they will help you. And I, this is nothing to say anything against police. It's just that they have their own rules. And not to get off topic, but le- yesterday, I mean, I guess it'll be funny. Uh, I hope it'll be funny months from now. But um, I had gone to uh, an auto mechanic to drop off uh, a police report because I was um, hit a few months ago. And I was told to fax the report over to my insurance company at this mechanics. So I went to deliver the report and then I said, okay, and I'm, now I'm going to call my insurance company to tell them that I've just done that. So I got into my car and the conversation was like 35 minutes with my insurance. And what happened, Chandler, I mean, I thought there were people around. I saw somebody look at me, a few people look at me. One of the people like saw that I, you know, went into the car. I told him what I was doing. By the time I had been done the call, I I drove up to the gate and guess what happened, Chandler? The fence was locked. I couldn't get out. I was scared. And I I called my insurance and they said, okay, we'll call 911 for you because my battery had 2% left. And then I called 911 and then, um, and then the battery died. So what I did is I went to the fence and I tried to like see if there was any pedestrians and thank goodness there was somebody and she put me on the line with 911 and what happened was the um the dispatch said well the police won't come unless there's an actual threat because technically they can't break in and get you so she said i'm gonna have to say that you're a trespasser (laughs) for for them to come with the ladder. And why I'm telling people this is because sometimes when you feel that you are in need of law enforcement, they will not help you and you have to state it in such a way that they will actually respond. So a death threat, they will d- respond to that. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that, you know, the, yeah. rule, the rules that police have to go by prevents them from being helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a shame, you know. So anyway, um, going on word, uh, I did have the woman call with me to a Vermont police station, um, but it was the wrong police station. So we had to call another. And at this point, for some reason, when we disconnect and I said, okay, call me back and we'll call the other. She wasn't available. I'm calling and calling and calling. So I wound up having to call myself and I explained and what I said is you know I don't want this man to be saying that to other people maybe to children where someone could take that the wrong way you know maybe mentally weak and then kill themselves good about what he said to me I like yourself I was I was very upset for the next few days it seems like it took you a month it took me a few days, um, and um, it, it hurt me that the other person didn't make the second call. She apologized to me, and I at least felt good that she was available to make the first call. But 
Chandler for an hour. I was trying to find somebody and all these people are like Bernie Sanders supporters and, you know, la 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 great go Bernie and stuff, you know, nice. And some of them were nice and fuzzy and warm, but yet not available to help me. And, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because you know, as a celibate person and not having their own family because I haven't found mine, you know, I would love to have uh, somebody that would support me and vice versa. And, uh, and I, and I'm sorry, but I can't, I no, you know what? I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I, I, I would like to find somebody that who, you know, I am completely compatible with in all the areas. And I'm, you know, I, it has to be somebody that I'm also physically compatible with. So that's it. You know, I just because somebody says, sure, I'll be celibate with you does not mean that that is going to be my, my love relationship, it, you know, because, and, and I think that that goes for, for the people in the sexual realm as well. Just because someone says, yeah, I want kids and yeah, I'm sexual. You are too. Let's get together. You know, that's not how it works. So just because somebody will say, yeah, I'll be celibate, there's other things to consider. So I want people to know that because I've been reading articles, and it's true, the more restrictions you put on finding somebody, the less likely it is that you're going to find someone. Um, and, and I want to get into that uh, a little bit later on because I, I think I had sent you it um, the, the article, it's like somebody didn't want children, a man didn't want children. And then the person was like, okay, well, you're going to put that restriction is going to cut off like 99%. And, you know, you're going to be looking in your 30s and 40s. And finally, you're going to have to go to your 50s and go with people who already have children. You know, and I've seen that happen too. And it's not that I disrespect people that are single parents. I don't. But I don't share that with them. You know, I do substitute teaching. I have enough children in my life. And that's it. It's, it's hard enough for me to deal with young people because there's that, like, frenetic energy, um, you know, that you have to deal with on a consistent basis. Because I don't really know them. I'm not in there with them every day. And even so, if I was with the same group of people it's just like that energy you know it's like they want to talk they want to do that it's like you are you really kind of like a security guard you you know besides having to do your lesson and whatnot you have to maintain order and whatnot you have to be there for everyone's needs that's a lot to ask ask someone and i have been doing that and you know i am an actor first and foremost i am an artist so it's kind of a dichotomy for me because I like my personal space and whatnot. I like to create and then to make my vegan bread and vegan butter. By the way, they make awesome vegan butter, Miyoki's Kitchen. You have to try it. If you haven't seen it, I'll send you a link. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I have to go and do this type of job, which I like to an extent because I can help people. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's difficult because of what I just stated. So anyway, going into a relationship where someone already has a child, that 
that's not ideal for me. I mean, that's like, that's a life changer because now I'm, I'm not going to be like the evil stepmother and not want to like associate with the child. No, I would want to be like the support system, but being a support than a child, because with the child, you know, then you have to, you know, they're dating, they're they're going to college, you know, they may want money and, I can't provide all that. I can't do it. Even, you know, and as a, um, as a foster parent, you get paid to actually do that. But that, that, that's a full-time job. So I know my limitations. And because of my limitations, um, I have been deducted, if you would say, from love. And there's somebody that, you know, that you actually know that said, oh, well, I mean, I didn't even ask this. Uh, the, I, I prefer dating on the younger side because younger guys, they understand more about females with like, you know, wanting to do their thing and not putting them into some sort of a box, you know, as like older men have, older men tend to have more expectations. Older men tend to have more baggage and more have had sexual partners. And the fact of the matter is I would really like to find somebody who's on the same level as me. Yes, I have had intimacy before, but I've never done what we discussed because I've always held, held out because of the reasons that I believe. And, you know, I could go in, I could go into them again, but why should I? Because we already have like 19 episodes out there. Yeah, and I'm, right. <laughs> I'm constantly tired of having to like go into them because I like you, you're, you always say, I want to have a discussion and record it so that people know, so I don't have to discuss it again. And if I'm sounding a little bit like angry, it's because I'm getting pumped up because yes. You don't know how many times, Chandler, I have had to explain all the reasons why I want to be celibate. And then even then, people will, like, fight on me on that. And um, just yesterday, I, I, <laughs> I belong to a site, which um, it's younger guys. But unfortunately, most of these younger guys are not celibate. And sometimes I think, why don't I just like a racist profile? Because it's like, it's getting me nowhere, you know? I mean, I, I put on my profile what I feel. I'm a hetero, romantic, asexual celibate. I want closed mouth kisses, hugs and, you know, affection. I want to make music. I want to do creative things and support one another. And, you know, as far as like, Having children, um, you know, I, I, I can't do it, and I would, you know, let's go into hospitals and we can hug babies that need to be hugged because they're, they're actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, there are sections in hospitals of babies that have been abandoned, most of them, you know, due to drugs, and they need to be helped by volunteers. Because it's important that they actually get physical contact. Um, it's very important for a baby to be held and get that, especially if they're shaking because they are, um, well, they're considered crack babies. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what else to say. That's, 
that's it. So I would, I would definitely go in with my husband and do that and make that my mission. But I can't be having children like raising them um, because I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I had this um, one person, I mean, I did not, I did not reach out to him, you know, in fact, I think I've reached out to like a few people on, on there and that's it. Usually they're reaching out to me and um, some of them don't say appropriate things. This one person said, um, he said, oh, you're beautiful. Um, I, I can't hear you right now. I like it's not the worst thing. What, can can you hear me? Hello. Um, yeah, for for your second there. Yeah, for, can you hear me at all? Can yeah, you hear, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah there was I, a plane. Yeah, I could okay. not hear you for a few seconds. I could not hear you at all. So we're we're just having some audio glitches here. It must be the connection. I no, actually, I think it's because there was a plane overhead. Because when the, la the last time a plane went overhead, you started like going in and out. It must be their their satellite system. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, go ahead. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I actually know what you're about to say, pretty much, because I read that conversation you sent. So yeah. So I know what happened, but I'll let you continue explaining if you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least he said making love. Like, so that wasn't that bad to me. But how hard can you take? It, like I don't think that that's appropriate at all and so my response was instead of you know getting into like oh that's disrespectful and anything I just said oh you know why don't you read my profile <laughs> you know and then he got back to me and said um you know I'm all for like affectionate kissing and whatnot but um don't you you know ever want to make love and and I said, um, well, and again, Chandler, this goes back to what I just said. I am tired of giving all the explanations that I always have to give people um, about why I want to remain celibate. So I said, and part of his, this was to plug our show, I will admit. <laughs> I said, um, go, you know, uh, the answers you will find in the celibate vegan voices. And I gave him the link. And he came and responded with, "Actually, Chandler, it bothers me. So why don't you tell why don't you tell the listeners how he responded?" Yeah, basically, what he did is he said that you were illogical, like a like a priest or something, and that you're not beautiful after all because you wouldn't have sex with him. That's yeah, ba basically that's it. <laughs> By the way, he was younger, but not that young. He was a thirty-year-old man. And, you know, I want to make mention of this because I think that it's important that we discuss um, that we discuss this because we're being open on the show. And I think that it's it's very important to be truthful. And in today's political climate, uh, politically correct climate, it's very difficult to discuss these things. But I think that it does need to be discussed, but it needs to be discussed intelligently and compassionately, not the way Donald Trump puts it out there. Um, this man, he was Hispanic. 
And I just want to make mention that although there have been Caucasian men who have debated with me about celibacy, I tend to think that um, there have been more black men and more Hispanic men, for whatever reasons, that have been more inappropriate to me. Um, And I think it's because of their cultural background, especially Hispanics. I will state that there are more Hispanics in Los Angeles jail system um, that have been accused of sexual assault than other races. And in fact, in Mexico, they have been given like thousands of rape whistles to the women because they, they really have been brutalized, these Mexican women. It is in their culture not to report rape because they're scared and because it's a shame kind of a thing. And just like in um, the Middle East. And I think that that's why when it, I think that, that it has seeped into our country. So when Donald Trump said, oh, you know, the Mexicans are rapists, um, unfortunately, due to the, the facts and what we see in the jail, um, yeah, that's, there are a significant number, but he shouldn't have said that because obviously there's other cultures that will rape as well. But I mean, you know, I, I was working at a diner back in 98 and this Colombian cook, he pushed me in a table and he said, what would you do if I raped you? And I believe I said this before in a show and, you know, it's over 20 years now and it still bothers me that I didn't do anything because my, my family said, don't say anything or you could wind up like dead. And, um, you know, it was because of fear that I didn't say anything. And now it's too late because there's a statutes of limitation, which I think the statutes of limitation for sexual assault and harassment should be lifted because psychologically speaking, people don't always come out immediately because of the fear factor. And unfortunately, people still do victim blaming and they do not, they do not take into account why people don't report it. Yeah. And so, um, Anyway, I don't know if this person was illegal or not, but he was from Colombia or undocumented. But um, he did it in front of people, and the people he did it in front of, one was Mexican, one was from Egypt. I don't know if they had documents, but they all laughed at it. And I went and I told my manager, who was from Greece, and he laughed at it. So nothing was done in that, in that restaurant. Yeah. And my father was passing away at the time. So he couldn't be of any help. It was very bad. And I think that's why it still remains in my memory because no one helped. And to this day, that restaurant is, is thriving. They, they built themselves a whole new wing and, um, you know, and that just like set me back. It happened at a place called the Philly diner in Runnymede, New Jersey. And, um, and maybe someday I will write them and maybe I'll write the newspaper and, and, and say what happened because, because it, it deeply affected me. Although I told my family I would do that and they're like, don't do that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe what I, I did say it online, so maybe that's good enough. But I just want them to know 
that it really affected me. And um, apparently there was other sexual harassment on other waiters or waitresses, servers, if you would, female servers. Um, but I don't know if anything was ever came of it. Hopefully that doesn't happen now. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, that's all to say that I have been bullied because I come out as celibate. I have been told there's something wrong with me. And when that happens, Chandler, not so much with this person, but sometimes I actually feel threatened. I feel threatened because then I think, oh, you know, this person is now saying something bad about me. What if they get like angry enough and pursue it, which I doubt he will. But I did give the link. And why did I give the link besides like, you know, him wanting him to know my reasons and (laughs) and actually get I I wanted I wanted him to have like a lesson. Like, I don't want to be afraid. I really don't want to be afraid. I mean, it's kind of like. We, we, you and I could be retaliated for doing this show. Yes. We could. Yeah. Why I said to you, like, what, and I haven't unfortunately um, made any uh, forward progress on my, my celibacy um, book. Um, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you to partner because I just feel that it's better to do this um, kind of subject with a partner especially as a female and a single female. And again, I'm being more vulnerable here because, you know, by people knowing that they could be like, you know, oh, well, she's vulnerable. And, but why am I doing this? Why am I being the sacrificial lamb, if you would? I hate that expression because I'm a vegan. So I am not going to be a sacrificial lamb, actually. I will totally... I will totally have you in jail if you ever try anything. Trust me, I know people, and they're vegans. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like there is a lot to consider into coming out. I mean, when people came out at first of being homosexual, that they didn't come out more than likely because they were afraid of getting beaten up or killed. And then the second thing was they didn't want to be thought of badly in their parents' eyes or friends' eyes or whatnot in society's eyes. But a lot of it was because they were afraid of physically being attacked. And as you and me, this is something that is something that is realistic yeah. because we're uh, verbally attacked and there are people mainly in other countries that are attacked still for being yeah. gay. You know, they yeah. are. Yeah. And Monique, I want, yeah. What I want to say a few things here. Um, so sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, see, yeah, basically, um, some of us are targeted. Because we bring awareness to a certain issue, then we are a target. And I know that you've been through some incredible stuff because when people find out that you're this celibate person and that's your choice to be celibate for life, then for some odd reason that makes you a target. And the way that those people laughed when that guy, when that guy said, what if I raped you? That that just shows how what uncaring of a culture we live in. They think that rape is a joke. 
and they think that it's okay for people to tell people online to kill themselves. These things are not okay, and that's what I want to say to the world. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I went to the police five years later. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't wait today. I wouldn't wait today. But um, they, they couldn't do anything because of the statutes of limitation. So they would have done something because he literally pushed me into the table and said that. But the fact of the matter is he didn't violently push me. He did it seductively. And he didn't know that I was celibate, you know, he just, he did it because he was, I guess, attracted to me. And that was his, like, that was his mating call, if you would, as scary as it was. And, uh, and I wish that I had like taken the knife that was in my hand and stabbed him actually. But, um, I mean, not to kill him, but. Or not, I don't know. I don't think I should have, I think at least like threatened him. Although if I had done that, he might have taken that out of my hand and then I could have been hurt. So I don't know. I mean, people, because I've told that to people and they've said I would have taken a knife and like um, cut off his, his thing. Like there actually were like multiple people that told me that or like, you know, or threatened him. Yeah, and I, and I understand why people say that. Yeah, because self-defense, when, you, when they're scared, I mean, that, that's their reaction is they want to defend themselves. And I have to say, Monique, I would be scared all the time if I were a woman because of just how easy it is for people to do things to them. And I, and I just don't know how you, how you survive at all because it's got to be hard. It is really hard, and I really would love to have a supportive mate, which I did, but unfortunately, he came down with, um, I, you know, I, it's hard, I want to, I want to retain his privacy, but he, um, he came down with schizophrenia, and when that happened, everything just kind of, like, fell apart, and, um, he's super religious, I, I mean, I'm, like, to I'm I'm not religious enough for him. In fact, like some of the things that I believe, like it's just I'm a liberated woman with morals who's conservative, if you would. Like that's how I I label myself. But I have to be all around non um, non independent. I feel like if we were to get back together, and I don't even know if that would be the case because now he's he's just uninterested and it's it's sad for me because I deeply invested my emotions into this person and for three years like tried to get us back together and you know was there to support um when he um was going through crises and whatnot and um I know that people can I, I know people can work within a, a relationship like that because the person that the film A Beautiful Mind was about, John Nash, he had schizophrenia. I mean, he also was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, it's difficult because the person could be dangerous and that would be my only, you know, qualm. Like there needs to be some sort of um, plans in place. For that, but um, 
I'm the type of person that's very loyal. Once I love someone, like, that's it. If the person gets into a wheelchair or whatnot, you know, that's it. I stay with them. Um, I know it would be hard, like, if the person was, like, totally, totally out of it. Because to me, that doesn't seem like a marriage. But I would be, I'd still be by their side, even if I, like, remarried or whatnot. I'm just saying it because... I, I also feel that people out there are not loyal these days. One thing that Trump said that I agree with, and maybe I, I kind of come from that, that East Coast mentality. Like, I like loyalty. But guess what? I only like loyalty if I'm getting it back and I'm being treated right. And I have, like, in my business, in the entertainment business, I have been loyal to talent representatives who really didn't do much for me. And I was always the one that was trying to get the jobs or, you know, do what I could to, to make it if you would. And they were very unsupportive. And I wish I had gotten out of that those relationships because it wasted a lot of time. And the last person, I, she, she dissed me because in part because I was a vegan because she couldn't apply me to um, commercials, um, which are her bread and butter, not her vegan bread and butter. And, you know, I'm not disclosing names and whatnot, but I think that it's important for me to share these, these stories because it's been very difficult for me to, to, um, to keep these things, like, hidden for the rest of the world because it affects me on how I you know, act in life and decisions and that I make. So, um, you're right. You don't know how I act. I mean, how I can live in daily life. And, um, yes, I mean, I think for a lot of women, not all women, because some women, they really aren't bothered by this. They, I, I think more so because I'm celibate, like, it, I react even like more cautious for myself, not to the point where I'm paranoid, but like I see some women and they don't, they don't tend to like concern themselves as much. And that's another thing that I want to bring up. Um, as far as like therapy is concerned, what I'm saying right now on this show a therapist might be really, like, concerned, thinking, oh, well, you know, you always have to, like, worry about what you're doing, and that's not a health. One more thing that... Um, that I want to discuss. And this is out there already, but um, I made mention that years ago I was heading home and it was midnight and there was a police car like checking me out and then went in back of me and put on its lights. So I dropped in my speed, put my hazard lights on and stopped at the nearest place that I saw a person walking around at a store. And this went into, like, a year, year's worth of exacerbation of me trying to fight a ticket where I told the police why, I, Sheriff, 
why I had pulled over where I had. And I said to um, I kept going to the Malibu City Council. I said, a person should be able to stop at a well-populated area because there are too many cases of fake law enforcers or real law enforcers that have raped women at um, dark, isolated traffic stops. And I really didn't get much help. And I went into court and I had a female judge and I thought she was going to understand. And instead, she really ripped, ripped into me. It was horrible. And it's, it's still a bitter pill to swallow. Her name was Bonnie Tremack, and I don't care if I say her name because I think she owes me an apology on how she reacted. She asked me if I had a doctor's note stating that I was afraid of the police. (laughs) I mean, I'm not afraid of the police, but because of my awareness, I have to be concerned. And then I said to her that I was gaining a lot of... um, attention, publicity on this case because, you know, of, of its significance and me going to the, the city council and I got in some media attention. And she had the audacity to say, your irrational fear is getting you attention. So it's, it's not it's an irrational not, fear because it's true because it's that true. people are raped by police officers sometimes. And you were right. It's just just wrong. It just makes me so angry. Yeah. And now, you know, I actually, um, I was curious and I looked, looked up, you know, where, where this judge is in life now. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into her, the personals, but looks like, um, she's a different person now. Maybe I, I, I don't know exact I don't know I'm not going to talk about her but you know I've read a few articles and but the the fact of the matter remains that she treated me like I was some um criminal irrational person and I will always remember that until she makes an apology to me and that's why I stated her name because I, I think that it's very, very wrong, and I think that she needs to be held accountable for how she yeah. reacted yeah. to me. Yeah, well, this reminds yeah. well, me this rem- what I wanted to say, because I probably do need to get going soon, so we may have to cut this short. We got kind of a late start, and the audio quality is terrible, I think, on this. But um, see, now, you, you remember that I recorded a, the, the screenshot. The screenshot. Uh, uh, I mean, the video uh, of that uh, conversation on Skype where that dude had told me to kill myself. And the reason that I did that is even though normally I don't make people's comments to me public, I feel there's a time when you have to make somebody's name public and tell the whole world what they did. Otherwise, it is the only way that anyone will do anything. And so, sure, he may not like the fact that I, I showed what he said and mentioned his name. But if people don't like that, then they better quit mistreating people because we will have to make it public in order for that person to stop hurting others. Absolutely. 
Uh, Chandler, I agree with you. And the reason that I continue to speak out at the Malibu City Council is because although I do believe that silence is golden, which means peace, having peace, I also feel that in instances such that we are referring to, silence can be deadly. And that is how rape and other situations that are taboo, if you would, where people are victimized for being the victim, that's how, that's how um, these crimes perpetuate themselves because people are afraid to speak out. And the more someone sometimes speaks out, I feel now, at least they'll know, okay, well, that person like said that about that person. So if anything happens where you're retaliated upon, then at least there's a record out there of the person, you know, that this was set. Because if there's no record, if you just kept it hidden to yourself, then who will know? Yeah. You understand? Yeah. You could be retaliated against. I could be retaliated against without ever having said anything. But yeah, and what I, would, and what I would want to say is that we better say something because at least then if somebody does retaliate against us, then we will have been able to say it rather than that person forever uh, covering up the wrong they did. Yes, and you know because um, everyone is so interested in this current presidency, um, I, I do want to make mention, and I probably have said it before, I did say that um, Trump has loyalty and so do I. But I think that he's wrong with how he perpetuates his loyalty because I think that there's some really um, inappropriate things that he has done um, during this presidency and before the presidency. And, you know, allegedly there were 25 sexual harassment victims um, at his hands. And, um, you know, there's no proof that he did it, but... I really feel that if there's 25 people, they weren't all set up. That's my belief. And I feel that he, if he did, he needs to make an apology because he's not my president because he doesn't own up to his, um, you know, what he does. He doesn't own up to it. And I know that no one's perfect. But there's way too much that, I mean, you don't even follow the news, Chandler, and you yeah. know something. Yeah, well, what yeah. I, I want to say is if, for example, somebody did admit that they did wrong, what if they just plain to admit, yes, I killed this person, yes, I raped this person, and I was wrong. If somebody admitted it. That right there would make them go down in history as a person that I respect because they were honest. I completely agree with you, Chandler. And there's only one time where just saying an apology doesn't work. And that is what is called the gentleman rapist, or it could be a woman. And that's when they're like, oh, I'm so sorry about the other night, you know, and they try to manipulate you into thinking like, oh, they're like a good person or whatnot. And then they continue to do that 
to you or to other people. I've read about this, you know. Um, that's a manipulative apology. But other than that, I agree with you. I think that more people should apologize in today's world, and it would be a much better place. Many times they just don't want the punishment or they don't want to be sued. But like last night when I was trapped in that, it was open air, the garage, thank God. But, um, but when I finally was let out, thank God, the, the owner had put, given the police an emergency number and the police left a message. And so the owner came out. He apologized to me twice. He said, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I thought to myself, that's very brave of him because, I mean, appropriate but brave. Because by him saying he's sorry... He's admitting that there was a flaw that happened where people just like left me, didn't like realize that my car didn't belong there and I was in that car. I mean, I don't know how I could sue and I don't want to sue. I could, maybe. I don't, you know, I I, I don't think it would go anywhere because I, I lost like 90 minutes of my time and I got very upset, but like that's all that happened. Um but, like, my mother used to work in a store, and there was a woman one time who bumped her head, like, pretty bad on one of the clothing racks. And my mother said, oh, are you okay? And, you know, she was. But later, the manager said to my mother, don't ever say, are you okay again, or apologize. Because if you do, that person can come and sue us. And that is what's lacking in this world because it's all about economics a lot of times on why people don't apologize. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it, it's just insane. It's just insane. Oh, man. People are much too complex, too Ray, complex Ray Moni. I'm only concerned about doing the right thing. I, I don't understand how people can have those other concerns. Me too, Chandler. Me too. Even if it, like, makes me financially, like, devastated. I mean, I would hope not, but I'm with you. I believe in honesty. That's how I want to run my life. But in today's society, it gets harder and harder. Like, I've, I've been involved in a few accidents, and I've been, like, honest, and I thought that the, uh, the people on the other end of the line were, like, nice and whatnot. And instead, they twist around my stories, and then... I seem like I'm the one at fault, even though I may not be. I might not be. And just like briefly, I was I was backed into in a small library parking lot. And what happened is, I, as I was driving, this person starts backing up. And so I stopped and I honked. And then he stopped. And then he started backing up again, in which now I just had a full stream of honking, uh, like the whole time. And he stopped and he started backing up again. And I just like stood there like a deer in headlights because I couldn't go forward because I was afraid of being hit. And I was afraid to go back because what if like somebody else started backing up and then didn't see that I'm backing up? And what if people are coming in from the streets? So... I felt that my best, um, my best defense was just honking and like just, just not moving. 
Well, I was asked by the insurance company, well, how long do you think I was there, like when this first started happening? So in my mind, I count it, and I thought maybe about 12 seconds. Well, guess what? Because I said 12 seconds, the insurance company wouldn't take full responsibility for, um, for, for you know, giving me the retribution, the financial retribution, because they said I was negligent and not backing up. Now, everybody that I have told this to said that is completely ridiculous. But because, like I said, you know, that I, I was honest, I mean, I didn't say, oh, it was just like five seconds or whatnot. Not that I even thought to have said that. I was, I was manipulated. And so, unfortunately, because some people can be too honest and whatnot. I mean, I hate saying too honest, but... There's no the, such thing. There's no such thing. But, I mean, it could be manipulated and twisted, and just like I was in, in court with Bonnie Tremack, probably, you know, with the things that I said and whatnot. I, I mean, to me, it was crystal clear, but to her, you know, it was not, and or she was just being of a bullying nature, or, you know, she was just going by the code, what was in the book. I didn't pull over immediately. No, I didn't, but I did signal them that I was trying to pull over. Um... So, yeah, Chandler, I, I don't want to bring children up in this world when they have to be dealing with this kind of stuff. I don't want to do it because there's going to be a time where their parents are going to be around to help them and whatnot. And then they're going to have to survive on their own. And, um, yeah, it's like tough. Or even if they had a family, you know, sometimes, you know, you're put into a situation where you're alone or whatnot. But. One of the reasons that I really would like to be in a loving relationship, and I had that before, is because I did feel protected. And maybe you could say, you know, women want protection more than men. I, I would think that that would be true. But I, I think, think that it is. Yeah, yeah. I think both genders would benefit on um, each other protecting each other. But, you know, it has to be an honest relationship. And I've never wanted to get into a relationship where it's just like, oh, it's just for money or it's just for, like, something where, um, you know, we'll just do this for a time and then we'll, like, break up and we can go on to the next person. Because I've had that, like, situation as well with somebody that I liked. And, like, the person's like, oh, well, if I fall in love with someone else, I'll just, like, leave, you know, and you'll have enough money and you can, um, you can like, live your life and find somebody else. But, like, I don't want to go into a relationship that way because I want to build upon. And, look, it's not like I wouldn't release the person out of a relationship if it was really, like, bad and, like, not the right thing, you know, to have that person. But, um, yeah, like, I, I just, I'm a loyal person. I'm an honest person. I want to go in for the right reasons. But I can tell you, like, as of late, and that person is asexual. Or at least demisexual. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe, like, I should just, you know, maybe just, like, have the person for while it lasts. And, you know, but then I think, oh, well, then maybe I'll always be fearful that that person's going to leave. But you know what? Even if the person says, don't worry, hon, I'll stay with you, like, forever. I mean, till death do us part. I don't even know if I could believe the person anymore. Like, with... With the situation, you know, the relationships that I've been in, they broke off. Of course, it hasn't been a marriage, but I've, like, been engaged before. And trust me, it hurts. It hurts when that person, like, leaves. 
you know, for whatever reason it is, it hurts. And, yep. um, yep. yeah, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just letting the people know this is kind of like for people to understand where I am at and also for the people that are celibate because, well, I'm sure that I'm not the only one in this position. I am sure of it. And I'm sure that people just aren't speaking about it openly because it's scary to speak. And the last thing that I want to say, Chandler, is, you know, everyone's asking for support. Everybody's asking for monetary support. And we haven't gotten any support for this. And, you know, I feel bad because I'm in debt. I, you know, I, I want to give a dollar to Hurricane Hardy, but, like, I don't know what my dollar would do. Maybe I will. But, like, I can't go giving dollars out because I'm, like, way, way into debt. And part of that was because, you know, I depended on a partner who then just, like, left. Because when you are in a love partnership to an extent, you do get into a business relationship, you know? And um, so, you know, that's what happened. And um, I, again, like a lot of celibate people, I think they take the vows of chastity and poverty. No wonder. Because when you do that, you're not, um, you know, People use sex as a commodity, I feel, within marriage, even if they yeah. love the person. Yeah. You, there's so many articles out there, in, even in this day and age, where it's like, why women won't you know, have sex with you? And one of them is because she's angry at you. Well, okay. Well, obviously, because you don't feel like being into, you don't feel like emotionally secure, then you don't feel like being intimate. But I feel like in some ways these articles put it out there. Oh, oh, she's mad that you won't take out the garbage. So you're not going to have sex tonight. Like, I hate that. That just perpetuates the whole abominable carnal relationship. Oh, yeah. Relationship. Oh, yeah. And Monique, you know how I feel about this. The whole relationship, for, the, for most people, it's all about sex anyway. That's all it's about. And in my life, I've had to I've had to look at it and realize that most of these relationships are a sham. Marriages are just about using somebody for sex, and that's all it is. I it's not something I want no part of. Well, I you know I'm gonna have to agree with you more and more. I'm beginning to think that because I remember this one guy said to me he was in a play of mine, and then he like didn't. He wasn't in the play anymore because I wouldn't be his like girlfriend. I'm serious. He was he was a police officer too, and um, he um, he said to me that um, men don't really need women anymore, and I don't think women need men anymore except for sex. That's what he said, and I didn't hear from him for years. And then he came out to California. I hope you you know. I reminded him of what he uh, of what he did. He dropped out of my play, and he's like, "Oh no, that's because you were moving." You know, I that wasn't because of that. And then he's like, "You don't have to be a bitch about it." And then he blocked me. Me be a bitch about it? Okay, he's the one who dropped out of my thing because you know I, he didn't feel like we were going anywhere. So, um. Yeah, I, I just feel like I've really been abused, um, and when I stand up for myself, I'm abused more a lot of times. And, you know, this, this my former fiancé, he's recently said that um, sexual, um, what's the word, sexism 
it doesn't it, it doesn't exist. It's like the devil's way of just getting in the way. He said it doesn't exist. Yes, it does exist. And I continue, and I gave him links of showing like of rapes and stuff and whatnot. And I hate to do that because then it makes me look like I'm sort of like this emotional um like unstable person because you know sometimes if you you know keep nailing it you know it's like okay enough is enough but I just if to me it's like I need to show I need to prove my point that it does exist and sexism sexism relate um parlays into sexual harassment and sexual harassment parlays into sexual battery and sexual battery parlays into sexual assault. It's like a chain reaction. It's just like drugs. I mean, not necessarily all the time, but like, Monique, you know, they all I interrupt you, but we need to bring this to an end because this will just go okay. on forever. That's kind of the way it goes. So, um, I, I just want to say, mad. wait a minute. Don't be mad at me, please. Yeah. yeah. Are you mad that it's going on? Well, it's just that I need to get well, going. I need I need to eat supper, take my shower, and all that. And so and so, we'll have to continue this for our next show. But is there a way to finish this up? Well, yeah, but I'm sorry, but you just like hurt my feelings because that was very important. Yeah, it's just that I don't yeah, know of a good time. Time. That's the thing. I don't know how to interrupt you without upsetting you. Oh, I see. I see. Well, maybe you could be like, well, um, Monique, like, I agree, but I really, really have to get going. Like, I'm sorry, but you sound abrupt, and I'm right now being very emotional about this, and it's hard for me to hear you interject like that I was I really was going to wrap it up I I just wanted to say that back in the day or maybe it's said now but like marijuana was the gateway drug into harder drugs and I think that that's the same thing that can be told into you know the sexuality and marijuana doesn't necessarily have to lead to hard drugs it doesn't and juicing it there's no high and I'm not going to get into all of this right now, but I just want the people to know that, um, you know, really, really think about how you're treating people when it comes to sexuality. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're celibate or not, just be respectful of that. And I know that some people don't care. Some people, some women, they really don't care. You know, they're ready to, to go to bed within you know the first date or whatnot but I think that to be compassionate towards everyone um just just think before what you say and before you act and I brought this up actually at Olaf it's the vegan restaurant where they have an open mic and before the open mic we talked about how women could be treated better and one of the things that I said is like not to pressure women into having sex, you know, talk about it up front and then that's it. If, you know, if it doesn't work, then don't, don't make the person get involved just to leave them because they're not going to have, you know, carnal relations with you. And, um, I, I got a half, 
half response, but the host was happy that I said it. And he actually said that he was pressured one time into having sex and he was a pop. They apologized. It was someone who was intoxicated. Um, but, um, you know, he'll, he'll never forget it. And these things are traumatic, no matter if you're abstinent, celibate or whatever. That's how I feel. Yes, definitely agree. Right. It's just that some just of us experience some, more more of this more because of, we're lifelong celibates. Life celibate. But it affects everybody, it affects whether, everybody the, whether whether they're committed whether to celibacy or not. Absolutely, and if you look a certain way, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think that there's some people that aren't approached as much because they don't physically take care of themselves as much sometimes or whatnot. And, um, you know, this is not to be body shaming, but it's just the reality. If you, um, you know, some people look a certain way, if they're attracted, they're, they're going to experience this more. And, um, and, and then a lot of times people say, oh, well, you should be glad that you're getting like a lot of people interested in you, but not if they're being disrespectful and hurting you in a way that, you know, just keeps digging a little bit more and more. And that's how I feel. And I feel that people really should compassionate, be just compassionate, be a, be a compassionate vegan, be a compassionate person when you're, you know, handling sexuality, just be compassionate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Chandler, for letting me speak and finish it up I am finished so yeah if you wanted to wrap it up on your end as well yeah all right thank yeah. you for joining me Monique it's been actually a very good talk as we share our experiences about what's been going on in our life as it relates to the celibacy and the veganism and all these things are all interrelated and hopefully somebody will get some good out of this in spite of the bad audio quality because it's probably not the best connection so we will continue so, more of these kind of talks in future episodes. Thank you for listening to the Celibate Vegan Compadres podcast. Um, anything else you need to say, Monique, as we say goodbye to our listeners? Uh, I'm just glad that I expressed my feelings to you because I think that this has happened sometimes and I feel bad where you need to go and then I feel bad. So I'm actually glad that I had the courage to tell you that because I think that it's being part of being compassionate to myself. So I really like that word. Be compassionate. Don't be a person that you're going to be walked all over. That's not what compassionate means. You must look out for yourself, but be compassionate toward other people's feelings. And Chandler and I, we always agree that the golden rule is a good rule. Um, do unto others as you would do unto them. And that doesn't, you don't have to give any certain faith. It just works. It really works. <laughs> and the silver works. The silver rule works too. And you can you can look that up. And the last thing is, I think that this might have been one of the best conversations that we've had because we've really gone into truth. And uh, I think it could be a future TED TED Talks if you know what that is. TED Talks. <laughs> yes, and I yes, think we need I to continue in our future shows. Continue this theme of just sharing our experiences. Because we're just having to keep it real rather than trying to be all professional. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think people will really take take a listen to this one. And um, 
We'll see. We'll see. But I think that they will. We'll see in the numbers. All right. You've been listening to Celibate Vegan Voices uh, with Chandler Klebs and my Celibate uh, Vegan compadre, Monique Lukens. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.